Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kim C. Hi, everybody. I am Kim, and I am a compulsive overeater <clears throat> and a grateful member of Overeaters Anonymous. And I was not a grateful member when I got here. I was a depressed, angry, shut down, resentful member of Overeaters Anonymous when I arrived. Um, my abstinence date is November 13th of 2010. So I was going to say, God willing, God's always willing. Kim willing, if I'm willing to keep doing what I've been doing, you know, I'll get to celebrate 10 years in a couple of weeks. And for a binge eating, fall down, sugar addicted, die hard, compulsive overeater like me, that is miraculous. I'm down 80 or 85 pounds from my top weight. And I am not obsessed with food and how much I weigh and how many grams of fat and how many ounces, like I'm not obsessed with diet, exercise, body image, and addictive foods all day, every day, like I was when I got here. Um, Michael, congratulations on, on your first year and 100 pound weight loss. I, I say I almost made it. I was almost 100 pounder. You know what, if I would have kept eating for a few more months, I could have been 100 pounder because that's the way I roll. I gain weight rapidly and lose weight, like get on diets and lose weight and hate my life rapidly. And um, I yo-yo dieted up and down from a size two to a size 20 over and over and over again um, throughout my adult life. I also wanted to um, welcome the newcomers, Corey, Kim, Marley, Daryl, Lisette, Alexis, Christy, Christine, Savannah, John, Cheryl, and Goldie, welcome home to Overeaters Anonymous. Like I'm just emotional that there are that many newcomers here, and there is so much experience, strength, and hope in this light a candle recovery meeting. So many people willing to put their hand out to help you and guide you into food recovery. Um, there's so much help here if we just ask for help. And uh, I've been a compulsive overeater my entire life. My mom said when I was an infant, I didn't stop feeding until she would like physically take the bottle away from me. And that's the way I've, I was with food my entire life. Like compulsive overeating addiction to me is a disease of more. I want more. I want like if one is good, 10 is 10 times better. And anything that kicks off my craving and obsession, I am bodily and mentally different from a normal person and there are food behaviors and food substances that kick off craving and obsession that I cannot control. And um, happy Halloween, everyone. How many people, there are 117 people on this meeting choosing to either be recovering from compulsive overeating, um, anorexia or bulimia or having the desire to do so on Halloween. And that is awesome. You guys, Halloween, the day after Halloween was always a dark day for me. 
because I would be at CVS buying all the half price candy I could get my hands on. Halloween, Valentine's Day, Christmas, are there any other candy holidays I'm leaving out? Like I would buy bags and bags and I didn't know what was wrong with me. Why did I keep eating it when it didn't taste good anymore? Why did I feel sick and keep eating? Why did I keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and not stop doing it? Because I knew every workout plan, every diet, like I could be a nutritionist and a fitness coach with what I know about diet and exercise, but I'm an addict. Those things did not save me from myself because my brain's wired that way to be an addict. And um, as a child, I was painfully shy as a kid. Like they would probably say I had like social anxiety disorder or panic disorder now because I just always had those racing thoughts and the impending doom and my heart beating out of my chest because I was afraid someone was going to ask me a question and I was going to look stupid. Like I had the ism you know, before I ever tried any substances. And um, I grew up in a family where I think, you know, my mom was a fall down Al-Anon codependent, always the loving, nurturing, coddling one to make up for my dad, who it's taken me 50 years to call it emotional abuse, but breaking a child's spirit and yelling and screaming and demeaning a child is emotional abuse. And a lot of us in this program have been through emotional abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse. And, you know, the food is what numbed that emotional pain. And they call it comfort food because it was comforting. You know what I mean? Like it worked for a long time for me. It kept me feeling safer in the world. But by the time I got to Overeaters Anonymous, the cost and the repercussions of using food to numb out were devastating and far greater than, than any relief that, that it could bring me anymore. Um, when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, I hated myself. I called myself dirty names out like, you stupid fat bitch, you know, like I, I, I would do that. I would hit myself in the face and look in the mirror and scream at myself and demean myself. And I just think that that poor scared little girl in there, poor sweet little Kimmy that didn't know how to handle life, who didn't know how to feel emotions, who, who didn't know how to just be present and get by. Like I have so much love and compassion for myself now. And if you would have told me almost 10 years ago when I got here that I would learn to love myself the way I loved other people, I would have thought that you were crazy. But I couldn't continue to abuse myself. and. Um, and find love for other people. And, you know, when I was a child, food was love for sure. And I, I'm a yo-yo dieter. I'm a sugar addict. My best friend's parents on the Dairy Queen when I was a little girl. And that's the only reason I was friends with her. I mean, I rode my bicycle to 7-Eleven to see how many pieces of candy I could buy with all my dimes and nickels. I went to the skating rink and the swimming pool, not to be social like the other kids, but to go to the concession stand. You know, I would, I would break my curfew and chase the ice cream truck up the street in the dark when I wasn't supposed to be outside. Like, I am a stone cold sugar addict. And I knew when I got here, that was the first thing that had to go. And I had some really warped ideas about food addiction and 
and eating disorders when I got here because I had 10 years um, clean and sober when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, even though food was my first addiction and lifelong addiction. And I understood that I needed help with those substances, like I needed some help to get rid of those. But this is just food. Like if I just have the right diet, the right exercise program, the willpower, like I could do this. And I did that over, you know what, I could do it until I couldn't do it anymore. Like I lost weight on every diet I was ever on and then gained it back even faster than I lost it. Like I just, self-will, my will can help me in a lot of areas of my life, but it is absolutely no defense against the addiction of compulsive overeating. And I also didn't understand that I had an eating disorder when I got here. You know, I had friends suffering from anorexia and bulimia. And I was like, oh, she has an eating disorder, you know, while I'm eating a, a plate of nachos meant for a family. Um, I have an eating disorder. I'm a binge eater. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I didn't understand that exercise bulimia is part of bulimia. Normal people, you know, don't, don't eat a whole pizza and then get on a treadmill for three or four hours to burn it off. And the restriction is anorexic behavior. Like, I ate, I ate too much last night. I'm just going to starve today. And I wasn't very good at the starving part. I mean, when I'm hungry, I still, if you see me and my hands are trembly or I look like I have a headache, my blood sugar is probably low. You might want to like throw a piece of fruit at me and back away because I still, I get scared when I'm hungry. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like, Oh God, I'm going to die. I have not died of being hungry yet. So <laughs> when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, Here's what happened. I celebrated 10 years um, clean and sober and was at my party, a surprise party. They flew my mom in from Kansas City. There were a hundred people there loving me and surrounding me and wanting to celebrate my recovery. And all I could think was, would you get away from me and cut the cake? Stop hugging me. I need, like, cut it, cut it. I need it. And I was like, oh my God, I am still a junkie. Like it took 10 years of working the 12 steps for me to understand that I am an addict with food, that, that, that those foods and food behaviors, like I cannot dabble with because I can't stop. I can't stop once I start. And for me, my abstinence is no sugar, refined sugar, no sweets or crackers. And that doesn't mean I check to see if the barbecue sauce has two grams of sugar, like I don't, like those things don't trigger me. Dessert triggers me. Does fake dessert trigger me? I'm not sure. Like, I'm like, well, maybe I'll try the fat-free, sugar-free. What if it does? Like, is it worth my peace of mind, my sanity and my abstinence to try something? Like it's not an option, not a problem is so much easier for me. Like. I don't eat sweets and I don't eat chips and crackers. Anything greasy, crunchy, salty in a bag or a box. I eat that stuff in a blackout. Like, has anybody else ever gone like, oh my God, if I would have known that was the last one, I would have enjoyed it more. Like, <laughs> like you know, I, I would mourn because they were gone. Normal people like don't do that. Normal people don't. My little niece was like three years old and she'd be like, Aunt Kimmy, I want a cracker. Aunt Kimmy had eaten them all, every variety, every kind. I stole snacks from toddlers. Like 
I didn't feel very good about that when I got here. Um, so when I got to Overeaters Anonymous, I finally understood that I was an addict with food. I knew the steps. I knew the 12-step programs worked. I was terrified to give up food. Don't you understand? I already gave up everything else. You can't take this from me. This is my last little coping mechanism. And um, like that petulant child in me that doesn't want to, I don't want to put anything else on my abstinence list. I don't want to give it up. There's always more freedom on the other side, including early in abstinence. And, you know, my first three meetings, I was having a panic attack and wanted to run out the door, like, get out, get out. And I'm so grateful that I didn't run away from Overeaters Anonymous. Um, there, is, there is an unconditional love, acceptance, and warmth in Overeaters Anonymous that I haven't even experienced in other recovery. Like we, we don't care if you need to lose weight, gain weight, you're abstinent, not abstinent, struggling, pissed off, devastated. Like we love each other and we support each other no matter what. And, and for you to tell me I was lovable exactly the way I was in a size, whatever, 18 dress when I got here, I didn't believe it, but but you believed it, and and it helped me recover. And you know, I the first thing I had to do was give up my alcoholic foods. Like if I'm still high on sweets and greasy, like I can't I can't be present and connected to my higher power in the way I need to be to do the spiritual work I need to do. And when I got here, my first sponsor kept, I kept saying, well, what do I eat? How many times a week do I work out? Like, give me the, give me the, the plan. And she just kept saying, stick to your abstinence and do the spiritual program of action and the physical recovery will follow. And I was, I thought she was crazy. Like, no, I'm a dieter. I'm a, I'm a workout fiend. Like, you got to tell me what to do. And my first 65 pounds came off eating big meals, big portions, no I don't eat space age polymer, you know, lab food anymore, all that sugar free, fat free process. Like, I don't even know what I was eating. And um, I eat hearty food and I still do. I, uh, I've been on dates and they've been like, wow, you can eat. And I'm like, yes, I can. I hope you brought your wallet <laughs> because I'm not a salad and a spritzer kind of girl. Um, but I had to give up the alcoholic foods and then I had to get to work. I wasn't eating every day because I was happy and well-adjusted. I had underlying emotional trauma that I never dealt with. I had low self-esteem. I had anxiety and depression. And a lot of that sugar gets me high and then drops me low. Like a lot of the mood swings and, and the depression went away when I stopped eating the sugar. And when I got here, you know, and I had gained and lost all that weight all those times. And I, I think I was, whatever, 75, 80 pounds overweight when I got here. And um, I, I was on two antidepressants, acid reflux medication, a man-sized dose of blood pressure medication. I had pelvic prolapse from all the weight loss and I've never had a baby 
but the doctor asked me how many babies I'd had because I'd, I'd hurt my body so much with the weight loss and weight gain. And, um, and I was depressed and I was not present in my life. I was checked out. I couldn't have a real relationship with another human being. And I just don't, I don't mean just romantic. Uh, I mean, like show up at work, show up for my family. Like I was checked out in the food and, um, I don't know. Sometimes I think that we eat longer than we abuse other things because death isn't as imminent. But I think death by food is so slow and painful and humiliating. Like there was some extra shame in being a compulsive overeater. Like not everybody looked at me and knew about the other substances or, the, or that I spent too much money or I was promiscuous or I used to smoke cigarettes. Like, but if you look at me, and I'm carrying an extra 85 pounds, you know I have a problem with food. And I, working the steps in Overeaters Anonymous helped me let go of the shame. First, I was ashamed that I was obese. Then I was ashamed that I lost all that weight and had loose skin hanging on my body that I'd zip up in my pants and stuff. And then I was ashamed to tell you that I, that I had a tummy tuck to repair that because then I thought you'd think I was vain and shallow. Like, when do I let go of the shame? Like, that's part of my story. It's part of my journey. I disfigured my body. I fixed it. I have no shame about it anymore. Um, I used to want the outside, the outside to look good so I could be happy inside. And it's exactly the opposite. Like, it's an inside job. I have to do the emotional, spiritual healing to... I mean, the physical, being in a normal size body is a definite bonus and being healthy instead of on five different medications and fitting in chairs and not sweating when I tie my shoes, like all that is good. But I, ha I have to do it from the inside out. It doesn't work the other way around the way I tried to do it for so many years. And um, so when I got here, I defined my abstinence, you know, which is no sweets, chips, or crackers. And then my food plan is what I do eat and how many times a day I eat. And I, there is an extra layer of honesty in Overeaters Anonymous. We have to identify what alcoholic foods kick in the craving and the obsession and the behaviors. Is it standing up at the counter in the kitchen? Is it eating while driving in the car? Like we have to get honest about what triggers us. And then my food plan is what I do eat. And people are like, oh, you can't have there are three things I don't eat, like three food groups I don't eat. There are 8,742 things that I can eat. And I st I'm a foodie. Like I've heard people say I got abstinent and I eat real simple and plain. I will throw a tantrum if my food doesn't taste good. I will pout like a child if I don't like my food. I'll be like, it's, it's not very good. My friends are like, you know what? You get to eat again in like four hours. It's going to be okay. I'm like, but you don't understand. It's not, it's not tasty. So I've, I've learned how to eat food that tastes good to me, that nourishes my body and, and, um, and, and makes me feel good. Like, um, what do they say? Nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. And, and that is true. Not being, so spun out about food all day every I didn't realize how many food thoughts I had in a day until I didn't have them anymore and um and sometimes I have to add things to my abstinence you know what I mean like 
there, there are foods that are in my pantry right now, no problem. If all of a sudden I wanna eat them twice a day or I wanna eat them every day, I go throw them in the dumpster because if I can't eat it like a lady, then it's gotta go. And in lockdown, I don't know about you, but being trapped in the house with the problem for eight months straight, like I either have to work on me right now and dig a little deeper or my head is gonna blow up. Like, thank God for Zoom. I, I have friends that won't do Zoom meetings. And I'm like, oh, I can't imagine trying to get through this isolation and uncertainty and fear without you guys. Like, I need you. I need, I need you more than ever right now. And thank God for technology that we have this and can connect with each other. And um, I just feel safe when I'm with you. Um, you know, every time I work the steps, I dig a little deeper and things are a little different. Um, the defects of character are something that I always seem to find more of every time I work the steps. And, and you know, like in the big book, it's, it's like, you know, did my inventory, went and prayed and got quiet for a few minutes and asked God to remove my defects of character. Moving on. <laughs> and... And my defects of character are what trigger me to want to eat. So it's what I really need to work on. Like anytime I'm fearful, like that self-centered fear, that little girl gets triggered, she's afraid. You know, anybody raises their voice, anyone in authority. I don't know about you, but I like, I've been at work like, oh, this is the day. I'm getting fired today. They're going to find out I'm not very smart, not good at my job after all, and I'm getting fired. Like, I don't think normal people sit at work and think that way or dating. Like, yep, he thinks I'm disgusting. I'm, this is it, <laughs> like that, that black and white thinking. And I can still be judgmental and self-righteous. I can still be a people pleaser with low self-esteem. Um, I can still be dishonest with myself. Um, like, I don't know about you, but I, I buy my own hype no, everything's great. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And, and sometimes it's not fine. And um, I'm just grateful to have the foundation of Overeaters Anonymous to guide me through everything in my life. I mean, right now I have, I have a couple of friends going through cancer treatment. They've lost parents, like with everything else, all the turmoil already going on in our world right now, life is still in session. And I'm watching some people without tools get outraged and enraged and self-destructive and angry and withdrawn. And I, I cannot go there or I will eat. I cannot live in that headspace. I, I got outraged for about, I don't know, 30 days, 60 days this spring. Trixie can't live there. Like I'm, I am a dangerous animal when I'm, when I'm in fear, in anger, especially justifiable, justifiable anger, bring it on, you know, it, and it says in, in, um, I think it's the AA 12 and 12, it's the dubious luxury of normal men, and I'm not a normal man. Um, I had to learn to get a, a healthy relationship, not only with food, but with myself and other people working the steps in Overeaters Anonymous. Like, I, getting right-sized in the world, like physically is only one aspect. 
getting right-sized in the world in the way that I interact with other people is the other the other part of that. I um you know, I, I learned how to ask for more money. I found out people I worked with were making more money than me because they asked for it. Like that's the low self-esteem thing. And so I can ask for more money. Or at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought I would be safer with my family. <laughs> I went back to Kansas City for two months with my dad and my brother, and they both love to tell me everything that's wrong with me and what I need to do to be right in the world. And I just thought, what, what am I doing here? But, you know, I'm 53 years old, and my, my dad said something about, like, oh, you're going to end up working at McDonald's. And I was like, what, what do you mean by that? What does that even mean? I stood up for myself for the first time ever at 53 and it felt good. And, um, you know, walking through losing my mom abstinent was miraculous. A couple years ago, my mom, they thought she had one neurodegenerative thing that was treatable. And, you know, we were all like, okay, you're going to get better. And then they're like, oops, it's, it's actually ALS. We were wrong. And so, watching my mom lose all mobility, communication, swallowing, like it was terrifying, but the beauty I'm is- sorry, that's 610. 610? Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. The beauty is that if I'm abstinent, I get to be emotionally present and I can be physically present for people I love. Like getting to show up and take care of my mother like be her caregiver and feed her and bathe her and love her and give her dignity for the things that she wasn't willing to deal with. Like that was miraculous. And to be, to be the person in my family that people leaned into for love and support and spirituality and faith, like who is that girl? I mean, that's absent at Kim. That's Kim connected to a higher power, you know, walking hand in hand with fellows in abstinence in Overeaters Anonymous. That is a divine gift of doing this work. Like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I came to Overeaters Anonymous because I, I gained and lost the weight so many times. I'm like, okay, let me see if I can get the weight off with this trick. And I came to lose the weight and I've stayed because I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And it doesn't look like I thought it would look. Um, you know, I, I moved to LA 18 years ago because I was going to be Pat Benatar. You know, I was a singer and <laughs> that's not what I ended up doing for a living. But today I can still say I'm a singer. It's, it's not my vocation, but I'm still a singer. And after I, watching my mom, go through what she did that was scary and i was like what am i afraid of why am i so afraid and i started performing again those are my performance curtains like i close them and that's my little zoom stage i wasn't going to stand up in front of anyone and perform when i was obese and hated my own guts and i know now that it's not even about the weight it's about this it's about what's going on in my twisted addicted insane self-deprecating mind so i do esteemable things in life now and it builds self-esteem i love being of service um 
in Overeaters Anonymous. I love walking other women through the steps. Um, I miss our big meetings. This, this mug I got, this is from last year's OA birthday party. And if you haven't ever been to the OA birthday party, it's magical and it'll even be magical on Zoom. I mean, speakers from all over the country, people from all over the world gathering to recover um, from food addiction together. And a couple of the guys do a sober eating workshop that is phenomenal. If you're unclear with what your abstinence is or should be or what alcoholic food or food behavior means, um, get with Adam and Tim. They will, they will help you clarify that um, very well. I, I spoke at this meeting a few years ago and the last OA birthday party, a girl walked up to me after I spoke on a panel and she goes, oh my God, you're Kim C from LA. I'm from Boston and I listened to your tape and you really helped me get abstinent. Like what? She's in Boston. She hears this podcast and it helped her get abstinent. And um, I am so grateful for my life in recovery in Overeaters Anonymous. If I pick up the food, I lose all of my options and choices. All I can do is chase the food, be self-obsessed, filled with self-hatred, just, you know, chasing, chasing the high, chasing the food, driving all over town through drive-throughs and bakeries and like insane, but abstinent, my life is filled with possibilities. Where do I want to live? What do I want to do for a living? What do I want to do creatively? Who do I want to date? Dating. I'm learning how to date in my 50s. That is some grown-up scary stuff I'm telling you right now. But I don't have to try to figure out, oh, you like me? Okay, well, then I guess I like you too. Like, who do I want in my life? Who who enhances my life, who makes it better, who brings things that are exciting and fun and nurturing and comforting and loving. Like I, I get to choose those things in abstinence, in abstinence. And is the meeting, does the meeting end at 620? Do I have, do I have five minutes to take questions now or do I take questions at 620? No, you, you can take, take questions now if you'd like. Okay, well, we do have a little bit of, Thank you all for the gift of my abstinence and the life that I get to live today because of Overeaters Anonymous and all of you. Thank you. I love you. And um, we do have a little bit of time for questions. Does anybody have a question? Do they raise their blue hand? That's exactly what they do. Now's the time for questions only. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. If you have a question for the speaker, please raise your blue hand in the participants section and I'll call on the blue hands as I see them. Uh, Sasha, Sasha H. Hi, thank you so much for your share. I wonder if you don't mind sharing a little bit uh, about your spiritual or meditation practice, if you have one. Thank you. Yes, yes, I definitely do. Thank you, Sasha. Sasha asked about my, my prayer and meditation practice. Um, you know what? Prayer and meditation is like working out or has been early in recovery. Like, I feel so good when I do this. It changes my life in a powerful way. I'm not going to do it today. Like only an addict thinks that way. So you know what? I've been back into a regular prayer and meditation practice in the morning. During this lockdown, 
like my anxiety level went up. It's like I don't have a choice now. And um, I used I used to think I had to do prayer and meditation, right? Like I got the Vedic meditation coach and got my own mantra. And she told me if I didn't do it 20 minutes twice a day, it wasn't going to do any good. And that is not my experience. I, I use the Inspiration app on my phone. I do guided meditations. Sometimes they're five minutes, eight minutes, 13 minutes, 25 minutes. It just depends on how much time I have. But any time, I always wanted to know what God's will was versus my will. And I ran around in circles trying to figure it out. I've got to get quiet. I've got to allow God to reveal the answers. And that happens for me in meditation. And even if I have a squirrely mind, if I can and bring it down at the beginning of the day, then at least I'm starting here before whatever happens next happens. Like it's, it's, it's a really important part of, of my recovery, especially now. Thanks for the question. Thank you. Time for one more, Savannah. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm Savannah Blamick, a newcomer. Um, and I guess I was just kind of thinking in the beginning of your abstinence, which tools did you, do you think you utilized the most or are the most important in the beginning to kind of maintaining a solid abstinence? You know, for me, I don't know which tools are working, so I keep picking them all up. You know what I mean? Like I going to meetings, if I were new right now, especially with Zoom, I would be going to meetings every day. Um, I was going to three to five meetings a week when I was new. I got a sponsor because my sick mind can't heal my sick mind without some, you know, guidance from someone um, out, outside of my head. And for me, like getting rid of the alcoholic foods and alcoholic food behaviors, for my friends who are recovering from bulimia, sometimes being too restrictive has been a problem. And so I think it's good to talk to other people, you know, who have similar experience to ask them what worked for them. But meetings, reading the literature, working the steps, going to meetings, and having my food ready. Like I've got my food, I still, like I ordered food today and Amazon fresh dropped it off. Like if I, if I have my food, I'm safe. If I don't, I'm gonna wander out in the world and and make some snap decisions. So that, that was my experience early on. Thanks, Kim. 